from the Heidelberg Catechism. We read together Lord's Day 26. How does holy baptism signify and seal to you that the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross benefits you? In this way, Christ instituted this outward washing and with it gave the promise that as surely as water washes away the dirt from the body, so certainly his blood and spirit wash away the impurity of my soul, that is, all my sins. What does it mean to be washed with Christ's blood and spirit? To be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. To be washed with the Spirit means to be renewed by the Holy Spirit and sanctified to be members of Christ so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. Whereas Christ promised that he will wash us with his blood and spirit as surely as we are washed with the water of baptism. In the institution of baptism where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. This promise is repeated where Scripture calls baptism the washing of regeneration and the washing away of sins. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the coming weeks, our focus will be on the sacraments. The sacraments are signs and seals by which God assures us of his promises. They are symbols through which the Lord speaks to us. Now, if they were man-made symbols, they would not give us much comfort But they were instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ. At his last Passover, Jesus commanded his disciples to eat the broken bread and drink of the cup in remembrance of him. Just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus commanded the apostles to go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the triune God. The fact that the sacraments were instituted by Christ makes all the difference. It gives us assurance that what is symbolized through them is true and certain. Let me give an example to illustrate. If I want you to be my friend, and in order to assure myself of our friendship, I come up to you and shake your hand or give you a hug, would that give me assurance that you are truly my friend? Not really. But what if you came up to me and initiated the handshake or the hug? Well, that would be a sign of your friendship. And so it is with the sacraments. They were instituted by Christ to express his grace and love toward us. 
When we look at baptism, we see an outward washing. But it's not this outward washing that saves us. Just like it's not a warm handshake or a hug that makes a friendship. The outward washing is only a picture. A picture of an inner, of an invisible washing. In baptism, God promises to wash us spiritually. Through Christ's blood, he promises to wash away the guilt of all our sins. Through Christ's spirit, God promises to wash away our pollution or corruption, to renew us more and more so that we might live for him. I preach to you the word of God under the following theme. Baptism symbolizes the washing away of our sins through God's grace in Christ. The washing away of our sins is signed and sealed by baptism. It's granted by God's grace in Christ. And it's revealed in our new life in the Spirit. This afternoon we read together from 2 Kings 5, the story of Naaman, a Syrian army commander, being healed of his leprosy. Naaman is introduced as a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master and as a mighty man of valor. But he had leprosy. Leprosy is a terrible skin disease, often marked by white blotches on the skin. It's caused by an underlying bacteria. It's marked by inflammation. It often caused terrible suffering for the person who had it. In ancient times, leprosy was an incurable disease. As a Syrian army commander, Naaman had led military raids against Israel. On one of these raids, Naaman brought back a young Israelite girl as a captive. She served Naaman's wife. She knew of her master's leprosy. She spoke to her mistress, saying, Would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman told the king of Syria, and he wrote a letter to the king of Israel about this. The king of Syria stated that he had sent Naaman to the king of Israel so that, I might heal, so that he might heal him of his leprosy. The king of Israel perceived this as an attempt of the Syrians to make war against him. He said to his officials, Am I God to kill or make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he's seeking a quarrel with me. He thought that the king of Syria had given him an impossible task as a way of picking a fight with him. Israel's king acknowledges he is not God. He does not have the power to give life. Leprosy was an incurable disease. There was nothing he could do about it. Somehow, Elisha heard of the king tearing his clothes and of the Syrian king's request to name and be healed of his leprosy. He sends a messenger to the king of Israel telling the king to send Naaman to him. And Naaman came with all his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him with a command about how he could be healed. Elisha's servant told him, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. 
Now, in response to this, Naaman had a temper fit. Elisha certainly did not meet up to his expectations. 2 Kings 5.11 tells us Naaman was angry. He went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. In Syria, Naaman was used to dealing with the priests of his own false gods. All he had to do was pay his money and they would perform their magic show. Naaman wanted vending machine grace. Put in your money, take out your blessing. He expected Elisha to heal him on the spot. But Elisha was a servant of God Most High. It was not Elisha who could heal Naaman. Only God could. The manner of Naaman's healing was very important. He had to wash himself in the Jordan River seven times. The implication was that Naaman was dirty, that he was unclean. It was something Naaman had not yet acknowledged. Further, Elisha wanted to show Naaman that it is God who saves, God alone. Naaman rebels against Elisha's instructions. He said to his servants, Are not Abna and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? If you wanted to be made clean, the rivers of Syria were much more appropriate than the Jordan River. Fed by melting snow from the mountains, they were, they were full of clear, rushing water. While the Jordan River was a muddy ditch for most of the year. But that wasn't the real issue. Naaman's rage was not about the choice of rivers. He simply was not ready to humble himself. After all, anyone can wash in a river. For a man like Naaman, a more suitable challenge was necessary. Even Naaman's servants could see the real issue. If Elisha had required him to go and do something great, he would have done it. If Elisha had told him to go home and raise twice the amount of money, well, that would have been a suitable challenge. Then he'd be able to boast about how he had earned his healing. But to wash in the muddy rivers, in the muddy waters of the Jordan River, Naaman simply found that offensive. But that's what God prescribed. If Naaman wanted to be healed of his leprosy, he had to go and wash in the Jordan seven times. There's something symbolic about washing. Children, when is it that mom sends you to go take a bath, or to hop in the shower. You need to do that when you're clean? Of course not. We wash when we're sweaty, when we're dirty. The water makes us clean again. For Naaman, washing was a symbol of being made clean again. 
of being healed from his leprosy. For us in baptism, the image is similar. We too need to be healed. We need to be made clean. Not healed of sickness. Or made clean when we're physically dirty. But rather we need to have our sins washed away. The water of baptism serves as a symbol to us. Christ instituted this outward washing to teach us that as water washes away dirt from the body, so certainly His blood and Spirit wash away the impurity of our souls, that is, all our sins. Naaman had leprosy, a terrible, incurable skin disease. But we, beloved, have something far worse. Through the fall into sin, we have become corrupt by nature. Our hearts by nature are so polluted that they're like a well bringing forth all kinds of evil into our lives. By nature, we're inclined to hate God and our neighbor. Just like name and our situation is desperate. The world holds no cure for our impure state. And yet there are so many who think that they can live without God and without His grace. For many, the problem is similar to Naaman's. It's pride. Many in the world today refuse to admit their need. But the God who offers His grace freely hates pride. To experience His grace, we need to humble ourselves, to realize our inabilities, to look to Him in our weaknesses. God is not a respecter of persons. To Him, it doesn't matter if you're a Syrian general or a poor slave girl. It makes no difference whether you're completely healthy or afflicted by leprosy. To know the grace of God, we need to abandon our pride. It's God who saves, not we ourselves. To Naaman, God symbolized his power and ability to save through washing in the Jordan River seven times. To us, God symbolizes his grace through the promises made at our baptism. Note that Naaman's washing in the Jordan itself did not heal him of his leprosy. Instead, this washing served as a symbol of his cleansing or purification. The water of baptism functions in the same way. It's an outward sign of something that happens internally. And yet this washing with water is more than just a sign. It's also a seal of God's promises. Not only does God give us a picture of how our sins are washed away, He also gives us a pledge, a guarantee that we are cleansed from all our sins. The promise that Christ gave with baptism is that as surely as water washes away dirt from the body, so surely His blood and Spirit wash away all our sins. 
If Naaman had been a leper in Israel, he would have been very restricted in what he was allowed to do. The lepers in Israel were cut off from communion with God and his people. They had to live outside the camp. They were not allowed to worship God in the temple. Spiritually, our state was much worse. We were completely cut off from God. It's our sins that make us unclean in His sight. The result of all this is is that we were condemnable before God. We deserved spiritual and eternal death. What baptism teaches us is that although we deserve death, God promises us life. For baptism signifies and seals to wash the washing of our sins through Jesus Christ. He's the one who restores us in our relationship with God. He cleanses us from all our sins, so we're made acceptable in God's sight. He makes it possible for us to live holy lives to the praise and glory of God. How fortunate we are. For our Savior, Jesus Christ, has restored us to life with God. And so, beloved, we can rejoice in our baptism and in the baptism of our children. Baptism is not just a custom or habit that has no meaning. Instead, it signifies and seals to us the sure promises of God. It points us to the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just as water washes away dirt from our bodies, so Christ's blood and spirit wash away all our sins. We rejoice in God's grace, for through Christ we've been redeemed from death and condemnation. In our first point, we've seen how the washing away of our sins is signed and sealed by baptism. In our second point, we'll see that the washing of our sins is granted by God's grace in Christ. The account of Naaman's healing by washing in the Jordan River gives certain details that till now we've passed by. But they're important, for they stress that salvation is by grace alone in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's important to note how Naaman went to visit the king of Israel. He traveled in his chariot drawn by horses. A suitable number of attendants went with him. Naaman took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. He was the commander in the Syrian army, an important man whose stature was reflected in his wealth. Naaman took with him ten talents of silver, works out to about 320 kilograms of silver, worth about $300,000 today. He took 6,000 shekels of gold, works out to about 150 kilograms of gold, worth about $12.5 million today. Means that he traveled to Israel with this huge treasure, along with 10 changes of clothing. In those days, clothes were handmade. Most people did not own more than one or two changes of clothing. Naaman came with a king's ransom in order to pay the necessary price in order to be healed. But who would believe it? God's grace for Naaman was not going to cost him 
anything. Grace is unmerited favor. By definition, it cannot be bought or earned. Then it would no longer be unmerited. God's grace is given freely to whomever he wills. God has no need of gold or silver. As their creator, these things belong to him anyways. There's no way that God would allow Naaman's wealth to purchase what God freely wanted to give him. Many people do not understand the last part of 2 Kings 5 very well. They think that Elisha was overly harsh in passing on Naaman's leprosy to his servant Gehazi. You know how the story goes. Elisha refuses to accept anything from Naaman after he's healed through washing in the Jordan seven times. Naaman pleaded with Elisha to take something, but he swore an oath saying, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. Again, Naaman urged Elisha to take it, but he refused. Yet Gehazi thinks that Elisha has been too merciful upon this enemy Syrian general. Gehazi had a greedy spirit, so he ran after Naaman and requested some silver and clothes from him. He took them back to his own house. Then he lied to Elisha about where he'd been. Elisha knows exactly what he did. He asked him, Was it a time to accept money and garments, olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Because of Gehazi's sin, the leprosy of Naaman was passed on to him and his family. So what was Gehazi's sin that resulted in coming under the wrath of God in this way? His sin was that he undermined the grace of God. Naaman had come to Israel with lots of loot to buy his healing. He had come in arrogance, thinking that by greasing some palms, he could earn his healing. He had come in arrogance, thinking that he could earn his way. Gehazi undid what God had done. God wanted Naaman to know of his free grace. But Gehazi was trying to put a price on the goodness of God. The God of Israel did not accept bribes. He would not be manipulated by money. His grace was free. But Gehazi's actions contradicted this. For us, baptism symbolizes the washing away of our sins through God's grace. In Christ. In our baptism, God makes gracious promises to us, promises to wash us by His blood and spirit. Before we get into what that means, we need to realize that these things are given us by grace alone. There is nothing we can do to merit these blessings, they are gifts from the hands of our loving God and Father. Let's remember that the fall into sin resulted in two problems. We were guilty of sin against God, and our nature changed from being good 
to being corrupt and inclined to all evil. In baptism, God shows us how he overcomes this with a twofold washing. It's by Christ's blood that our sins are washed away. It's by his spirit that our sinful nature is renewed. To be washed with Christ's blood means that we're cleansed from all our sins. His blood washes us. It purifies us in the sight of God. Peter writes that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Thus, to be washed with Christ's blood means to receive forgiveness of our sins from God through grace because of Christ's blood poured out for us in his sacrifice on the cross. This is what makes baptism such a glorious sacrament. God promises to forgive all our sins. Psalm 103 says, He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Micah asked, Who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity, and passing over the transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He, that's God, does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Baptism symbolizes not just the washing away of the guilt of our sins, but also the renewal of our lives. In our baptism, God promises to wash us by His Spirit. To be washed by Christ's Spirit means that the Holy Spirit renews us. It means that our lives undergo a transformation. Paul writes about this change in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. You see, beloved, our old nature no longer reigns over us. Sin no longer has dominion over us. Instead, the Spirit changes us from the inside out so that more and more we become dead to sin and lead a holy and blameless life. The Spirit works this heart renewal in us. He enlightens our darkened minds so we understand who God is and all that He has done for us. He changes our will so that instead of always doing what we want, our desire is to love God and our neighbor as ourselves. The Spirit helps us to live faithful and fruitful lives to God's glory, and for our neighbor's benefit. Beloved, some criticize us for baptizing infants. 
They feel that there is something lacking in this because such a baptism is received in a passive manner. Those among us who are baptized as infants do not even remember our own baptism. Yet instead of taking away from the significance of baptism, this passivity underlines it. Baptism is not about something that I have done, but rather about what Christ has done for me. Baptism is not about my choice to commit my life to Christ, but about His promises to allow me to share in His grace. The washing away of our sins is granted us by God's grace in Christ. It doesn't depend on us in any way. It brings us to our final point. And it will see that the washing away of our sins is revealed in our new life in the Spirit. Naaman's trip to Israel resulted in more than just his healing from leprosy. God made himself known to Naaman as he truly is. He made himself known as the Almighty God, the creator of this world and the preserver of life. The way the Lord granted Naaman healing broke his pride and his self-reliance. It resulted in Naaman making profession of his faith in the Lord God of Israel. He said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Even though Elisha refused to accept anything from Naaman, Naaman requested something from Elisha. He said, Please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth. For from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but to the Lord. Naaman's washing in the Jordan River was symbolic of more than just a cleansing from leprosy. It was a death to his old life and a birth into a new life, a sign of his regeneration by the Spirit of God. Like Naaman, we need to appropriate the promises of God. For Naaman, that meant swallowing his pride and doing as Elisha commanded. He showed his faith by going and washing himself in the Jordan, according to the word of the Lord. We, too, need to humble ourselves before the throne of God to realize that salvation is a gift of His grace alone. We need to make God's promises our own by faith to accept them with a believing heart, to live out of them in all aspects of our lives. If we've done this, then that will be revealed in our new life in the Spirit. The fruits of Naaman's faith showed forth in his commitment to serve the Lord and him alone. In the same way, if we are washed by the Spirit of God, it will be evident in our lives. It will show forth in our thankfulness for the redemption God has worked in Christ. It will show 
in the joy of our faith being unconquerable, even in times of trouble. Those washed by the Spirit will walk in the Spirit. The Spirit will bring forth His fruit in their daily lives. So, beloved, what does your baptism mean to you? Just a custom or tradition passed on by our forefathers? Or is it a symbol of the washing of our sins by God's grace in Jesus Christ? What are we doing with our baptism? How are you reacting to all the rich promises that God has made to you? What God desires of us is that we respond to our baptism with faith and obedience. Believe that through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, you have been delivered from sin and Satan. Rejoice in the new life that you have with God. Commit yourself to serving God with zeal in your daily life. And give him the glory in all you say and do. Amen. Let's respond to the gospel message by rising and singing together from hymn 64, our only comfort in life and death.